Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders lead and navigate through the cultural issues of our day. My name is Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we're talking to Chris Songson. Chris and his wife, Laura, are the founding pastors of South Hills Church, a multi-state, multi-campus church based in Southern California. Chris is the founder of Church Boom, an organization that's provided personal coaching to hundreds of churches, and he's also the author of several books. His latest is Saving Your Church From Itself, Six Subtle Behaviors That Tear Teams Apart and How to Stop Them. Now let's go to Ed Setzer, Editor-in-Chief of Outreach Magazine and the Dean of the Talbot School of Theology. So great to continue our our conversations, and today we're going to talk. We'll talk with Chris, and we're going to talk some about uh, saving your church from itself. As you've already heard, six subtle behaviors that tear teams apart, and how to stop them. We're going to go through those behaviors, but first, Chris, you say that leader drift is quote the enemy's greatest strategy unquote, and one of the most difficult challenges the churches face. So let's start there. What is leader drift, and why do you think it's so common? Yeah, uh, well, leader drift is. Well, it's a word I made up. I like making up words. <laughs> uh, it's not really, <laughs> but uh, I define it as uh, when there's a subtle, and that's the key word, Ed, is subtle. When there's a subtle change in an attitude or behavior of a team member for the toward the leader or toward the toward the uh, vision of the church, and so uh, that's what leader drift is. It's it's the subtle uh, behavior or attitude, and I think the enemy uses it in a great way because. Here you are leading a team, whatever size church or leadership or organization that you're leading. Um, and we all, we know, I think most of the time when we notice those subtle driftings, and I think it's those subtle driftings that that tear teams apart. I always say that that uh, when the enemy takes a run at your church, he doesn't do it through those who attend it. He'll do it to those who lead it. Mm. And you, you've, got to, you've got to keep track uh, and, and keep your awareness that, if you notice and change in attitude and behavior, that's a leader drift. It's a, And it's always subtle. It's always a subtle thing. At least it starts off subtle. It never starts off blatant. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's interesting. I, I When Jessica uh, emailed me, she suggested your book. And I, 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 didn't, I hadn't read the newer book, which is Saving Your Church from Itself. But there's a, a prior book that called The Indispensable Church. Uh, and I'm gonna, we're going to kind of address both of those. But I, I thought of, you know, this is going to be the kind of conversation that I think is going to really help pastors align, is, is language that kept coming back to me, align well from leaders and teams and more. And that's part of your theme there. But I really like the leader drift idea. And I want you to give me some examples. It starts subtle, but give me some examples because you do in the book, but yeah. unpack them a little bit as well. What are some examples of leader drift? Yeah. So again, keyword being it is that it's subtle. Uh, again, I always say this, man, you got to recognize it here because by the time you recognize it over here and everybody else recognizes, it's going to be too late. Right. Subtle. Um, I think you have to, you have to start recognizing, is there a shifting in the conversations that happen in staff meeting? Is the person starting to come up with a little bit more judgment than they do solutions? Um, is there a difference in who they're connecting with? Are they starting to pull away a little bit? Are they starting to become a little bit more critical than they used to be? Uh, is they, are, are you noticing any of those subtle behaviors? I'll tell you one real quick. I give a quick example. I give it in the book. It happened to me. Yeah. I recognize the subtle behavior, and I'm going to tell you straight up, I did not deal with it when it was subtle. I dealt with it when it's too late, and I paid the price. 
But here's what I noticed. I told the person, I said, I noticed that when you and I, as someone on our team, on my team, I noticed that when you and I come together, you no longer bring a pen and paper. You used to always take notes when we talked and we, mm -hmm. you don't bring, you don't do that anymore. And I think it's because you think I have nothing else to teach you. And that was the early subtle sign. And you have to notice when something's shifting in the relationship between you and the team member. No, I think that's, I think it's really important. And your journey to me is kind of fascinating. You and Laura, your wife, yep. you, you've, you're the founding pastors of this church. And then you've shifted now to a different role uh, with Church Boom, uh, coaching pastors, rescuing churches, very much key to what you're writing more and more now. I love that. Um, so, but in the midst of all this, I mean, this has been a really weird few years. So it seems to me that, that a lot of people have experienced leader drift and, and just because it's there's so many things that are that are calling our attention and more. Uh, one of the chapters in again, it's saving your church from itself is actually titled, quote, team alignment isn't a good thing, it's everything. Unquote. Now I gotta tell you, I'm I'm literally we're recording this two days before I start my new job at the Talbot School of Theology, isn't he? And I'm gonna start by talking about team alignment and how essential it is yep. that we're there. So, but I haven't had to think that way for years because I've right. been I've been here at Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. Uh, I've been on sabbatical for about a year, writing sabbatical. But but you know, I mean, I sort of we had team alignment, um, but starting new, I think about it. Part of what your book wrote, I mean, it was helpful to me because I'm going to use some of the principles in creating team alignment. But part of your thing is team alignment sort of drifts; it sort of goes away and has to be realigned. So what are the consequences of misalignment and how do you get to alignment? Yeah. Uh, well, one thing I, I say just as a premise, <clears throat> excuse me, as a premise to the book or to that chapter is that uh, is that alignment won't guarantee success, but misalignment will guarantee failure. Yeah. Uh, and That's good. you have to, you have to know, um, you know, you, you start recognizing the misalignment and misalignment again can happen through, um, when they're not lined up with the vision or that they're not lined up with you or they're not lined up with the direction that they're going. Uh, misalignment can happen when they begin to think things would be better if they were in charge. Uh, I, I love the church. I tolerate the leader. Whenever that starting, a feeling is starting to happen there, misalignment is taking place. And the misalignment, it creates so much damage. My... My good friend, and, and he's a coach of mine, Dan Ryland, always says that hey, when a piece of fruit goes sour, it never becomes sweet again. Uh, so don't let it go sour. you got to recognize it early on. And, and misalignment is a, a devastating tool uh, for the kingdom. And when you look at throughout Scripture, it happens to, every, it happens to almost everybody. Yeah. Moses goes up, <laughs> Moses goes up, prays, 45 days later, uh, they build a golden calf. Misalignment. You know, uh, you, you see it with King David and some of his friends. He said, I could have taken it from an, uh, from an enemy, but you were my friend. We walked to the temple courts together. They're recognizing the misalignment that's taking place between them and someone else. And, and again, you got to address that misalignment as quick as possible because uh, it's not going to guarantee, again, alignment's not going to guarantee success, but misalignment will guarantee the failure. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm guessing you and I are somewhere around the same age and and there are some generational issues here as well. There are personality issues. Some people hearing this, you know, saying that we got to make sure people are aligned and, and, you know, when they, you know, when they start 
questioning this or that, and people their their alarm bells go off. Well, are you saying that we should just have blind allegiance to the leader on the staff, which is not what you advocate for in the book? Again, let me remind everyone too: the book is "Saving Your Church from Itself: Six Subtle Behaviors That Tear Teams Apart and How to Stop Them." So, where do you where do you find that balance, and how do you communicate to a team? This is what it's like to be an effective, loyal, I think we can use that term, uh, a, a, you know, functioning, thriving team member who has different ideas, uh, but at the same time, we're aligned well. How do you find that balance? Yeah, I, and I, I, I think it's a great question because in several other podcasts I've done, I've, I've noticed that that is a kind of a question, especially when you're talking with different generations. You know, I think Very the much. older you are, you know, it's just the older you are, you're like, you're loyal no matter what. Uh, and the younger you get, it's more, well, we, we're going to question the authority. Um, and I think it comes back to that definition of it's a subtle attitude or behavior. I don't think there's any problem disagreeing with someone. I don't think there's any problem having a different opinion. I don't think there's any problem having a, anything like that. What it comes down to is what do you do with it? Do you start creating an attitude? Do you start talking to two or three other people in order to gain alliance upon your opinion? Right. Do you start uh, having conversation? And when you start doing that, all of a sudden, I think that's when you start going over to the other to the other side. I was I was teaching this uh, to a group of what I would call I don't know leaders, probably under thirty, under thirty five. And I said, guys, you can have your own opinion, you can have your own whatever, but you can't, you cannot sabotage the leader if you can't support him and you can't get behind him, then get off the team. But you, but you can't sabotage. I'm not saying you can't have your own opinion. I can't say in your own idea or whatever it is, but it's a matter of how you deal with it. I mean, let be realistic. You've served under people. I served under people. And I didn't always agree. It wasn't like they were saying, sell all you have, move to the mountains and drink Kool-Aid. They weren't saying something crazy. <laughs> but but yet on the other hand, it was like, I don't know if I fully would do it that way, but I'm going to be loyal to you. And the minute I can't be loyal to you, I have to find another team because it's never, ever ever anybody's job to replace what God put in place. Okay. Now we're going to carve out in this conversation for just a minute situations with a, with abusive leaders, acknowledging those are there. We've done podcasts on that unhealthy situations. We're going to, so we're talking in general where you have a uh, healthy, emotional, you know, leader, he or she is, is, is over you. You may disagree. I disagree with some decisions of, of, Mm -hmm. of men and women who have supervised me. Uh, mm-hmm. But me being a key part of the team as well. So we're not talking about blind following in unhealthy situations. So then with that being said, let's discuss some of the, you talk about six subtle behaviors or actually name some of the behaviors. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll get to all of them because, you know, people should get the book as well. Again, the book is saving your church from itself. Six subtle behaviors that tear teams apart and how to stop them. But what are some of those subtle behaviors? Give us some examples. Uh, oh, in the subtle behaviors again. Well, it, yeah, it, it goes, there's a few I'll give out through the book. Um, I think uh, when I start seeing gradual shutdown, that's a subtle behavior. Um, when I start, when, when I think when you start seeing a little bit of distance, uh, I use the prodigal son, you know, the, the, son, the son comes home and the older brother's out in the field and he's distancing himself from everybody else because he's starting to shut down with the father. Um, and I think when you start looking at the gradual shutdowns, when you start looking at distance, uh, one term I use in the book is artificial harmony. When you begin to feel like you're living in artificial harmony, because it's like, man, we're just not connected the way we used to be. That's a sign that there's a subtle behavior that's taking place. And again, if not addressed here, 
it will become a problem over here. One thing I always say, Ed, is pay now or pay later. But mm -hmm. if you pay later, you'll always pay more. Actually, I like that a lot. And I, I'm one of the believers that you should lean into painful conversations. I think we had a uh, whole conversation about that with Sam Chanda. And I think, you know, that that leaders, the ones who lean into the painful conversations. OK, so one of them is you see them kind of shutting down or or I guess right. in a sense, people talk a lot today about quiet quitting and what that means as well. Um, so give us another one. And then I want to ask how you respond to some of those things. Give us another example of what might be a subtle behavior that can take the team off track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, we talked about gradual shutdown. We talk about the distance. Uh, we talk about artificial harmony. I think pride is another one. It's actually the first one I actually mentioned in the book. Um, and that pride, again, goes back to what I said earlier, where it's, hey, um, I love I love the leader or I love the church, tolerate the leader. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I celebrate. Uh, I, I love the community. I love to hear, do what you want in everybody else's department. Just leave mine alone. You know, things would be better if I was in charge. Pride. And here's the interesting thing I point out in the book, just real quick. Pride is a subtle behavior. What's fascinating to me is in, in Matthew, when Jesus went up to the wilderness to pray uh, for 40 days, if you really look at it, he was attacked by pride. Right? When you take him to the top of the mountain, hey, this could all be yours. Hey, And then he asks him twice, hey, if you're really the son of God. Then Jesus comes back down from the mountain, preaches the Sermon on the Mount, the most popular sermon ever. And his opening line is be poor in spirit. In other words, choose humility. Don't be prideful. I just got tempted for 40 days on pride. And if he tempted me, he's going to tempt you. But, but, but. but what if <laughs> I know better than the leader? What if... Yep. If the leader knew what I knew, he or she would make that right decision. Again, I keep wanting to carve out unhealthy, yep. you know, abusive yep. leaders in that conversation. Because in that situation, I wrote a whole series on unhealthy Christian organizations, and you yep. should leave uh, for your own spiritual sake, uh, but yep. you should also speak up and speak out. Well, we'll talk about that another time. But yep. in a healthy situation where if I think I know better, I mean, shouldn't in some sense the the the, the youth pastor know better? about student ministry than the senior pastor? Where does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I think it comes down to creating a transparent relationship. I think it's important for the lead pastor to create an environment of transparency and honesty. Matthew 18, go to your brother at once. I think it should all be under that. And yeah, you know, that's one thing that I talk about is, is when you are a second chair leader right. with first chair responsibilities, the tension comes in. And I think part of that tension that you're referring to, Ed, is there's a tension between your strengths and the leader's weakness. That's a tension that you're going to have to manage. That's not going to go away. You're going to be better at certain things and your idea might be better. But again, you can present it, you can share it, you let the leader be the leader, but at the end of the day, that person's got to be the leader and you've got to keep your heart and your spirit right. You're, you're definitely going to have better ideas than the, than the leader. And you're definitely going to be better in different areas. That's a tension you have to manage, not a problem you have to solve. Yeah, good, good. And I like this. At multiple levels, I like this. Again, um, keeping in mind healthy leader, healthy team member. Um, you know, we're talking about subtle behaviors, not toxic behaviors. Okay, so that being said, so like, for example, you know, I'm, like right now, we're recording this. I work at Wheaton College, and by the time this comes out, I'll work at Biola University. 
And I'm pretty sure, like Wheaton College has not done everything that I said they should do. They have not listened to me at every point that they should listen to me. And I'm completely sure that at Biola University, the leaders are going to listen to everything I say and do everything that I suggest. <laughs> so, right, exactly. Exactly. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I mean, I got, I got, a, I got a boss. I got a boss here. I got a boss there. And I have to learn to thrive in a place where not everybody does everything that I think they should do. Now, again, I'm not complaining. Wheaton College has been super flexible on a whole lot of issues, and I'm sure Biola is going to be great. I hope. Mm -hmm. I might be calling you soon if I, you know, change jobs. <laughs> um, I might need some coaching. But all right. So, so that being said, I have to sort of get to the place where I can feel valued because I am valued because I'm I'm bringing a valuable contribution, whatever my role is. Also acknowledge that I'm not going to get everything that I want. What I try to say to people, I'd like to, them to get to a healthy place mm -hmm. where they're maybe getting in their gift zone 75% of the time, but 25% of the time, you still got to pay the rent. You still got to do stuff that you got to do. And maybe when you're younger, it might be 60% you're paying the rent, doing stuff you got to do, and you grow and you get more space in that as well. So I, I like the idea of receiving some of these things. Now, let's talk about, you've, you've given, I think, three examples of some of the subtle behaviors. You want to get the other three Go get the book, um, and we'll talk some <laughs> about that as well. Again, it's saving your church from itself. Six subtle behaviors that tear teams apart and how to stop them. So most of our audience is uh, is pastor church leaders, and they're either on the staff. He or she's you know, serving in a, whatever role. They might be the senior pastor, uh, but most of the time they're supervising somebody, a volunteer or another staff member. So I see some of these behaviors. What do I do? How do I... How do I redirect? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, and what you're saying is, I see that in someone that I'm leading, mm -hmm. uh, and that could be you could be the youth pastor, children's pastor, worship lead pastor. I, I, again, I think that if you see those subtle behaviors, here's what here's what I teach at. If you see those subtle behaviors, address them. How you address them is important. If you go in there blaming and casting and you know sort of judgment, I think that's a, a bad thing. I actually teach how to address it. And uh, the 15 second version is, Hey, Ed, uh, I've been noticing that um, you're, you're not in, it seems to me you're not involved with the staff as much. It seems like you're pulling back a little bit. Um, can you speak into that for me? I think it's so important to address it, to not ignore it. But I love when you just say, can you speak into that for me? It allows the person to start responding back, whether you're coming in judgment within 60 seconds, let the person start talking. And uh, what's interesting, Ed, is because I actually did this a while back with a staff member. I said, can you speak into that? So the person went on for about 10 minutes. In the middle of it, they said, the word, yeah, I know sometimes I can have an attitude. And they kept going. So I said, hey, let's go back to that word attitude. <laughs> <laughs> let's not rush right by that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the, the nice thing is I already thought the person had an attitude. But now right. what's happening is they're the ones that said they had an attitude. I'm just yeah. asking them to speak about it more. But Number one, Matthew 18, go to your brother at once. If you see it in them, deal with it uh, in, a, in a wonderful way, in a, in a, in a kind way, soft-hearted way. But do not let um, that conversation not happen because you're afraid of the conflict or you're afraid of the uh, fallout. Yeah, because it is coming later if you don't do it now, if you don't 100%. address some of the pain that's there. Now, again, oh, I know. Uh, you know, Matthew 18, in a healthy way, which is what we're talking about here, you see an issue, you go to them at the beginning of that issue as well. I will tell you, um, 
one of my favorite examples is someone who used to work with me, doesn't work with me anymore because she's doing great in a new in a new situation, a new role, unrelated to this. But we're having some challenges. She's like probably one of my top performers, if not the top performer. And I've got enough organizational history that people can't go back and figure it out. And I, <laughs> I came to her and said, you know, here's the challenge. Though. You keep sort of getting to this place and and sabotaging yourself. And I went through these things and she said, you know, I, I guess I am doing that. And we took a couple of times and I said, listen, I want you to thrive. You're the best that we have at this. And I, and I said, let's get some coaching in this area. As a matter of fact, I'll help pay for it, like me personally, because we didn't have a structure to do it. So so I invested and she inv- had her invest as well. And, and I got to tell you, the best conversation we had was that conversation. It led to substantive change. And she was already great and got even better. And mm. so, but I got to tell you, um, because she was so gifted, um, I think sometimes people are almost afraid to have conversations with gifted people even though gifted people can sometimes have some lids. And I sure. learned to personalize this from a guy, you'll never meet him. His name is Brad Wagoner and he was my boss. And I'm used to getting all these annual reviews that are always, you know, nice and glowing. And he comes in and he has a nice glowing annual review. This is when I was at Lifeway. And then he says to me, and I was like, oh man, that's really great. Thank you so much. And that's kind of what I'm used to hearing because I work hard and, you know, whatever. He says, but here are six things I want to talk about that I really think are causing you difficulty in your success. <laughs> he had six things he had on a list. And he said, so which of these do you want to work on in the next year? And then for for like, when we work together for like a decade, every year we worked on some of these things. And I got to tell you, he was the best leader I ever had speak That's into awesome. my life That's in so that cool. way. Because he wasn't afraid to have that conversation. I right. learned from him and had that conversation with one of my team members. Yeah. So you, one of the key things in the book is leaning in, you don't use the language leaning into the, to the hard choices, but again, the book is saving your church from itself. But the subtitle I think is really key. Six subtle behaviors that tear teams apart and how to stop them. Okay. So um, let's reverse this for just a second. Um, what should team members do if they notice in their leaders some of these issues as as mm. well. Is there a place for that? What does that look like? Again, making the assumption these are healthy relationship, not toxic environments, all those caveats that I said earlier. Yeah, I, well, I definitely think there's a place for it. You know, it's interesting in Matthew 18, Jesus said, go, go to your brother at once. He didn't say, go to your brother if it feels good, if it feels comfortable, if you think it'll turn out good, if he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. It just says, go to your brother at once. Uh, and I think that we have to, uh, when we see that in a leader, the approach, obviously, you got to be cautious. you got, and let's be realistic. You're taught, you're thinking about your employment. I mean, let's just be honest. You're thinking like, I don't want the guy to get mad at me and fire me. I got a family I got to feed or, or whatever the situation is. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's realistic. But if there's, if there's the ability to talk to them, um, man, I think approach him and just say, Hey, I love you. I'm for you. I'm loyal to you. Uh, I, I, all of that, here's just a couple things that I think you might want to consider. I mean, I've had to do that with people that were, you know, supervising me, if you will, and just say, Hey, there's a couple things I think you want to consider. I think it's worth doing. Uh, I don't think it's always easy. Uh, I think it can be very difficult at times and a little bit scary of what the result will be, but I don't, I don't see Matthew 18 give us, giving us an out. I think that we have to do it. It's just a matter of, here's one thing I always say is live far away from mean-spirited as possible, but never enter into artificial harmony. You can't far just, away from mean-spirited as possible, but never enter into artificial harmony. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so you don't want to be mean-spirited, man. You want to be kind and nice, no matter if what side of that coin you're on. 
Right. But you don't ever want to live in artificial harmony, man. That's just that's just not going to work. Uh, and I think that's part of the kingdom being divided against itself is played under the umbrella of artificial harmony. Yeah, and I think I think it's and I want to emphasize to our listeners that the part that Matthew um, eighteen that you're emphasizing here, I think, is key: is go to somebody quickly. Now, again, we're not addressing all the issues of the power dynamics in leadership and where you know HR may need to be involved in something and toxic things. Right. But the idea of going to somebody quickly is a key and recurring theme in a healthy organization. And I'm about to start, you know, a new organization. I got 71 faculty members and 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 administrators. Uh, I don't even know uh, the majority of them, and I'm counting on some people who are up close. We got a dean's leadership council. who are going to say, "Hey, be aware of this," or maybe you know, I'm and I, you know, they they hardly ever hire someone outside as a as a leader. At, they've always right. hired from the inside, with one exception that didn't go well at Talbot. So I'm counting on people who will speak truth to. I guess you could say right. speak truth to power because I'm the dean. Right. But going to one another quickly is maximizing that communication, which is just basic leadership stuff. But the last few years, because of some of the unhealthy, toxic things, I think people are nervous about some of it. But your advice is to keep coming back to redirect those subtle behaviors often and well and early. So what would you say as you look at pastors and church leaders, our audience, um, what would what would you want to see as a healthy, talk to us about a healthy environment addressing those behaviors what would it look like keeping people well aligned, keeping people on the team together, speaking quickly to one another? What would a healthy environment like that look like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's everything that you just said. I, I think that, and I, I do believe, especially if you're the leader, lead pastor or the leader of that department, and you're checking out this pad, podcast, here's the thing that I would say to you. I, I believe that it's up to you to create the culture environment. As Sam Chan always says, culture's created at the top, sport at the bottom. So you got to create that culture that says, Hey, um, uh, we are going to, this is a value of ours. We are going to live by Matthew 18. We're not going to live in artificial harmony. We're going to have honest conversations with each other. I think you have to model that too as a leader. One of the greatest compliments I got about, I don't know, four or five years ago, a few years ago, was at one of our campuses, uh, one of the admin assistants at one of our campuses asked if they could see me when I was walking down the hallway at this campus visiting it. Long story short, I said, sure. I sat down at her desk and she said, a couple of weeks ago, this happened in a meeting and it sort of offended me. And we worked it out and I walked away and I thought, here's an organization that's got 80 or 90 employees and a part-time admin who I've had less than five minutes of conversation with probably in my life, uh, back and forth, felt comfortable enough. And that told me, we're on our way to creating that environment. You have to lead that environment so that the smallest person on the team, smallest is probably a bad word, but the person that maybe is farthest away from you as a leader has the comfortability to have that and uh, that t- tough conversation. But you have to model that. You have to lead that. You have to create that. And it is so much better if you're a leader and you lead from a position in all of that environment, that healthy environment, the honest conversation, if you lead with humility and just, hey, guys, I, I go to someone and say, you know what? I, I Last week, I just felt like what I said in the meeting might have offended you. I don't know if it did, but I'm just sorry. W- when you start doing that, people, the vulnerability will start opening up. And man, is it so much easier to be in a healthy environment in which you're not always wondering if they're talking about you. Yeah, and I think, I think if you listen to this entire podcast from a position 
that this is what a healthy environment should look like and we're keeping an environment healthy rather than listening to this podcast and saying, well, you know, I could see how this could be weaponized and misused. And I, cause I, I have the same thing, you know, cause I, I write yeah. on some of these issues. I think even your example where somebody could come to you as an assistant, part-time assistant and say, Hey, this, this was a problem and, and you addressed it. I think part of the challenge is we're so alert. Our antenna is so up for how these things are misused. We also have to recognize that we have to work to have this kind of healthy environment so that we can thrive with aligned teams in ministry. So I want to ask you a closing thoughts. Our, our, our audience here, again, pastor and church leaders, again, we're, we're talking primarily from the, the the book, Saving Your Church from Itself, Six Subtle Behaviors That Tear Teams Apart and How to Stop Them. You know, I didn't talk a little bit about the other book that I said I was going to talk about. We're kind of running out of time, but, but I actually quote this in my forthcoming book on evangelicalism. It's called Indispensable Church, Powerful Ways to Flood Your Community with Love. And that came out last year. So you're writing a lot since you've stepped away from being the senior pastor. Yeah. And I like that. Church Boom is the ministry as well. But in a saving your a church from itself, um, you're you're talking and pointing us towards that kind of healthy, ongoing environment. Give us some last thoughts to the pastor and church leaders who listen to how they personally can own that and work towards that wherever they are in the organization. Yeah, well, and again, I'm not I'm not plugging the the book because you've been doing a great job with it. But I think it's, <laughs> happy to I, plug the book. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's I, I think it is a great team book. And I think that you have to have those kind of books that open up and foster the kind of conversation. Here's one thing that I did about seven years ago, and I'll just tell you how I did it real quick. I realized how that I thought we were pretty unhealthy with the board, and I thought that we weren't having an honest conversation with the staff. I went in to the board, then I went to the staff. I taught it. I taught about having a healthy organization. I taught about transparency. I taught about being honest. And then I also said... Uh, at the end, I have blown it. I haven't done well with this. I haven't led well with this. And it changes today. So complete exact ownership. The other thing, Ed, that I think is really fascinating, if you look at one of, because uh, I still sit on the board for South Hills, I do all the expanding of global kind of expansion or whatever. If you look at the board meetings there, if you look at the board meeting for Church Boom, you look at anything at the very top end of any board agenda, item number one, Matthew 18. It lives on our documents. So we'll literally open up every meeting going, is there anything we need to address today? Is there anything we need to get out in the open today? And if it's not going to come up here, make sure you deal with it after this meeting. It is a constant reminder that you've got to deal with it. So number one, I would say to any leader, man, if you don't have that environment, fight for that environment, teach about it, take ownership, apologize where necessary, but don't just do it once. Let Matthew 18 or let the honesty somehow for you, whatever works for you, I think message inspired, but systems change behavior and having it on your agenda is a system where you can continually come back to it and just go like, hey man, we're going to always keep this dialogue open and we are not going to live in this artificial harmony. Not at this organization. I'm not going to lead that way. Good. And I think it's key. Remember as you listen to this podcast and as you uh, read the book, uh, that, you know, Matthew 18 starts, we we often focus on the part where, you know, confront, bring a friend, tell to the church, but it starts with go quickly, go yeah. quickly and settle these things. The other place talks about settle, settle these things outside as well. So super conversation. Uh, thanks for, thanks for yeah. taking the time to talk to us, Chris. Uh, thanks as always. Thank for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. We've been talking to Chris Songson. Be sure to check out his book, 
Saving Your Church from Itself, Six Subtle Behaviors That Tear Teams Apart and How to Stop Them. You can learn more about Chris at chrissongson.com. And thanks again for listening to the Sets of Church Leaders podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments, leave us a review that'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. See you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.